This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning. It is Friday, the 6th of October, if you're listening live. Hello. Happy autumn. Happy October. This is my first October show, and I'm feeling super autumn-y. I've got a nice big cup of coffee in a pumpkin mug right here next to me. Uh, I've worn my boots to get to the studio today, so feeling very, very autumn-y. And oh my goodness, my guest is already here in the studio, so there is no stress this morning. Um, hopefully it should be very uh, straightforward. So let me just tell you about our amazing guest while we wait for them to join us. Oh my goodness, it's all going smoothly on the tech side. Morning, Lucy. Good morning. <laughs> Am I dreaming? <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that works on the first shot. <laughs> oh my goodness, you've just you've made my October like I'm peaking early. <laughs> Let's hope it continues for the whole hour. Let's hope I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good about this. Um and just before we talk to Lucy, I just want to give her an introduction because she really deserves it. Lucy Wheeler here with me today is an educational research assistant. She's also a PhD student. She also runs her own business. She's also a mum. So Lucy, oh my goodness, you sound like superwoman. <laughs> a tired one. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, even superheroes get tired. That's okay. <laughs> but um, yeah, re really exciting to have you here. And for some of my um, veteran listeners that I know listen in every week, you will remember Lucy came on Teachers Talk Radio earlier this year. And Lucy, do you remember when it was? Because I looked back, I could not oh, believe the 10th of February. Was it really? And that really shook me. Where has this, this year gone? It's absolutely <laughs> flown by. Because I, I, I was that. like, yeah, I, I remember when you came on. Like, I don't think it was that long ago. You know, it was a couple of months yeah. ago. And then when, when I checked the, the promo flyer, yeah, 10th of Feb. So I guess we can chat today about um, what has changed in your life since then. I know that when you came on with us before, we were talking about um, homeschooling. Mm -hmm. home education and um yeah. you kindly shared kind of your personal journey about um helping educate your daughter and I think yeah. hopefully you can share some of that experience with us today because today and for everyone listening I know I've got lots of um people really interested in actually what does GCSEs look like mm -hmm. for a home educated student so if it's okay Lucy I have got a long list of questions for you today <laughs> But you're the expert, so no, nothing too uh, too scary. Uh, morning, everyone who's listening in. I can see we've got David already has given us a medal. Morning, David. Nice to have you here. Uh, and we've got 16 of you listening on the app. So morning, everybody. Uh, and very excited to have Lucy Wheeler here today. So Lucy, before I jump in talking to you about home education, how's your week been? It's been good. It's, it's actually been a lot calmer this week than my previous week. So I recently um, presented at a Vera conference a few weeks ago and just taking that week out it was amazing going to it but you're kind of chasing your towel when you come back from something like that so I feel like this week I'm starting to get some level footing again on on everything and catching up mm -hmm. but that was great and and the I was presenting there and I was talking about the subject that we're actually talking about today because I've recently done a, a research project on um, home educated students and GCSE so it's all very prevalent wow. in, in my life at the moment this whole GCSE talk. Wow, fantastic. And tell us a bit a bit more about Vera. How was that? 
Oh, it was fantastic. It was really nice. I was there for the full full three days and, and it was lovely to meet lots of other people. There's a real kind of diverse energy there of lots of different topics that people were talking about. And, mm -hmm. and I really enjoyed going and listening to other speakers about their research interests and also people kind of approaching me, talking to me about mine and making new connections and things like wow. that. And the social element is fantastic as well. So, yeah, really good very tiring I felt like I needed to sleep for a week when I came back <laughs> where was it where was it held this year uh, Birmingham oh lovely wow yeah. so yeah three three day conference and do you know what's so nice just getting back to face-to-face -face conferences yeah. isn't it yeah it was really nice and being able to talk to people and and not kind of be restricted by technology um and relying on it yeah. to work <laughs> yeah because it's always scary yes exactly <laughs> Um, and the main question was, the, were the refreshments good at the conference? Always good. Always, that's the main question when you go to any event, isn't it? What's the refreshments like? It is. I, I can confirm it was very enjoyable and very, very nice. <laughs> that's so nice. That's definitely something you don't get with the online conference. You know, you no. just sit down with your own cup of tea. It's not the same. Yeah, definitely not the same. I'm not as extravagant when it's just for myself. <laughs> no, definitely not. Oh, wow. So this is very cool. We've got a conference presenter straight hot off the press to come and share with us today um, about your research. So that's really exciting. So um, I guess I know last time you came on, I admitted to you, Lucy, and to our listeners that I did not know anything about home education <laughs> because despite having three children um the most we've ever done is the covid lockdowns Lockdown, and i yeah. was very happy to send them back into mainstream <laughs> schooling so so i was really interested what you know the thought of getting you on to talk about gcse because yeah. i i'm so used to seeing our schools as this conveyor belt mm -hmm. and i'm just so interested how how that looks. So I guess over, over the next hour, you can help educate me and our listeners, you know, what, what this looks like, how we take GCSEs if yeah. we're not in school and what this looks like. And, um, you know, I, I'm just so excited to learn more about that at the next level. So I guess the, the first question, um, and I'm thinking it must be a yes, but <laughs> I just wondered then, can home educated students take GCSEs and how does this work because I'm guessing they they must right yeah yeah absolutely uh, home educated students can take GCSEs and they take them as a private candidate um, and they can take them either at school or at an examination center so it kind of your experience of taking them will vary very slightly depending on where you take it so for example if um, a student is choosing to take it at school the process is simply, I say simply, very loosely, as it's not always simple <laughs> and straightforward, but all they have to do is um, identify a school that's accepting private candidates, approach the school, speak to the person in charge of exams. This is usually like an examinations officer or the like. Um, mm -hmm. And then they make the necessary arrangements from there. The school will book the candidate onto the exams, provide the space for them to take it. Um, if there's access arrangements that need to take place, this is also discussed with the exam officer and the family will be invoiced from the school, pay the money and the school arranges it for them. And it sounds really straightforward, but there are many challenges um, involved in this option from actually finding a school that will take a child as a private candidate, because there were actually a lot of schools that stopped doing this after COVID and not all of them have reopened to accepting private candidates. So wait, wait, what? They they stopped. Yeah. So it's down if, if a if a school is offering um, a private candidate option, then that's down to them. It's not something that all schools have to do. So it's individual to each school. So if they don't want to accept private candidates or they want to cap the number of private candidates they take, they're well within their right to do that. So 
when COVID happened, a lot of schools closed their doors to, and understandably so, I, I understand that, um, but they then didn't reopen them. So finding a school can be a bit kind of few and far between and people have to travel sometimes to, to be able to get this option. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there is another option. You can choose to take it at an examination centre. Um, the, these are run more like businesses. That their sole purpose is an examination centre to provide exam spaces, um, tutoring, and things like that for for children. Mm-hmm. So, um, home educated students can be a private candidate at, at an examination centre. So again, they just find a suitable centre, speak to the officers, book the child in, um, pay for access, pay for the exam, um, and go from there. But from the research I recently conducted and the families I spoke to, there are real varying challenges with each option. You know, overall, schools charge less, um, and we can go into cost in a bit, but okay. they tend to be less reliable from the experiences that the families I spoke to. You know, they can do last-minute cancellations. There's no firm contracts. There's oh, no wow. problems with lack of communication. There's no real regulation for this. So if there's a complaint, there isn't really anyone that the family can go to. They can complain to the school, but if the problem wow. is with the school, you know, they, they don't really have, it's not regulated. Um, whereas the, with a centre, it is structured more like a business. So there are contracts, there's an online portal and things like that. So the communication does tend to be a bit more professional, mm-hmm. um, but they are way more expensive and they are fewer physical buildings. So it makes it less accessible for a lot of families. But those are wow. the two main options, exam centre or schools, and they will do it as a private candidate. Interesting. And do you know, what I imagine they're like in my mind. I remember when I had to go do my driving theory test and I had to go to a test centre. Yeah. Is it kind of like that? And you have yeah. to look like availability and location. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. You have to contact them um, and find out if they have space. There's also like deadlines for booking exams. If you miss the deadline, then you you risk not being able to, to get in and then you potentially have to travel further. And, you know, tr- families are travelling hours and hours. Wow. And if you've got families that have uh, children that are taking multiple GCSEs, they may have one GCSE on the Monday, one on the Tuesday afternoon, one on the Thursday. And if they're travelling kind of six hours or something to to a center that's available they've then got to pay for accommodation while they're there because they can't make the journey backwards and forwards so it turns into this huge outlay of cost wow oh my gosh I hadn't hadn't even thought about that and then (laughs) I guess do they have to also is that window when they have to take them does it have to match when schools are doing them is it got to be that yes. same period I think is it May yeah. is it normally May time there's different it depends what board you're going with and what qualification you're taking so the general exams are kind of over the summer period so that's okay. May, June July kind of period but there are um, other exam windows that are accessible especially if they're taking an IGCSE which we can also go on to um, Ooh, and they okay. have I different... have no idea what that is <laughs> <laughs> and they have different exam windows so they can do like a January or um, a November sitting on those as well so it sounds like it's really flexible and there's loads of options, but the barriers also kind of come into play with things like that too. Wow. Is, is part of the problem that there just isn't enough provision? Is that part of the issue? I think we that's need, a big part We need part more centres. Yeah, we, def- we definitely do. We need more, more, we need more centres, um, but we need, we need it regulated a bit better because the centres charge outrageous amounts of money because they know that there's a need for it. 
Um, so that needs to be regulated, in my opinion, a bit better. And also mm-hmm. there needs to be more onus on schools offering this, because if more schools offered it, it would be less pressure on the, the schools that do offer it. So you'd be able to spread out the candidates a bit more. So yeah. families would be able to access it better because you could just go to your local school. So you wouldn't be traveling so far. And the pressure on the schools that are taking them, they wouldn't be inundated with so many and have to like turn them away or have the you know extra paperwork and everything. So it's kind of I think it just needs balancing a bit better and a bit more regulation in there mm-hmm. and, I, and I can just imagine like for the poor student like I I can remember back to my GCSEs it was bad enough having to get ready and go to your school yeah. to do them I can't imagine if you've got to get in a car drive someone you don't know like yeah that that must is, that extra stress yeah and and actually you touch upon something that some of the families I spoke to actually expressed concern for themselves because there are some families that have chosen home education because their children have anxiety around things or they might have special educational needs and so these children are not able to go and something as simple as seeing the room that they're examining in before they do it sometimes that can calm a lot of children seeing the space you know Mm -hmm. visiting it and making it making themselves used to the environment and the surroundings but if you're having to travel hours down the road you're not going to be able to do that beforehand the same thing with um taking mock exams um that if they're having to travel really far for it or they're having to pay for the spaces, uh, some children are not getting the opportunity to take mock GCSEs before they take their actual GCSEs. So it's, yeah, it's, there are some big challenges that are in the way. Yeah, definitely. We'll we'll talk more maybe about some of those challenges later on. Yeah, definitely not quite as straightforward as it seemed when you first (laughs) started telling me about it. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. So I guess my next question then, I also remember Lucy when when I was at secondary school kind of you had those those years leading up GCSEs where you had your options and you had to pick you know you, there was some that you had to do and then there were like optional ones and so I chose um languages I love languages I did like French Spanish um German Italian and like and history like you could pick right so mm-hmm. I guess if you're home educated how does that work because there are like a certain number of GCSEs you take or how do they choose the subjects? Yeah, so they they don't have to take a certain number of GCSEs. They don't have to take GCSEs at all. Um, it's, it's a choice. So when you, when you deregister your child from school and you home educate, it's up to the parent or the family um, whether they take GCSEs at all. So it's not a given. They, they have a choice whether they take them or not. If they do choose to take them, they don't have to take a certain number of, of them. Um, they're not bound by school expectations. So some families choose to take the bare minimum needed for the child's next step of education. Some choose to replicate, replicate the school and take you know, 9, 10, 11 GCSEs. What you do find is a lot of home educating families are guided by what their children would like to do in terms of the subject choice and how many mm-hmm. and match that with the needs um, for them so for example if a child wanted to go to college next they would look at the college requirements which is usually kind of five GCSEs or equivalent um, and work back from there and the families that I spoke to in this recent study actually spoke of using a work backwards approach where they did exactly this they looked at Mm -hmm. where the child wanted to be job wise or the next step and then plan the GCSEs accordingly so in terms of subjects again the children in a lot of families take the lead in terms of what they're interested in. So that's one of the, the positives of home education. Yeah, families can really follow the interests of the children. And we know from research that children learn best when they're engaged. So for them to be engaged, they have to be interested. 
So this would suggest that by choosing the subjects that the child's interested in, it would mean that they're more likely to engage and then therefore perform better when examining. So it's kind of down to the choice of the, the family. But this isn't always, again, it's not an easy route when choosing GCSEs because not yeah. all subjects are available to home educated students. So you don't get the same access as you would in school to all of the subjects. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So, for example, even um, if a child wants to do something like PE or art or music as a GCSE, this may not be available to them. There are options available. Um, there are certain providers that make it doable but okay. it's really, really hard to find them and they can be really expensive. And I spoke to a family that their child was really musical and they really wanted a music GCSE, but they couldn't get access to it. And they were traveling like six, seven hours for tutoring. Oh my gosh. And then on top of that for the exam afterwards, just to be able <gasps> to, to take this as a GCSE. So it can be really restricting if your child kind of goes more down the creative route. Wow. And especially because these ones, it, it's hard for home educators because of things like the practical elements, field work, coursework, portfolio, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It can be quite challenging to accommodate. It, not impossible, but it can be challenging and restricting. And that's where you bring in things like the additional costs, the traveling and things like that. So, yeah, it's, it's again, not straightforward. Wow. It's, it sounds like a lot more work for the parents as well just in time of those logistics like I, I remember my mum and dad just pretty much letting me get on with it <laughs> like, I don't you know they just they go have you revised and I'd say yes but I mean this is a lot for for parents surely to have to, it's to big, navigate yeah it's a big responsibility if, if and it's not something that parents and families should take lightly making the decision to home educate isn't kind of a knee-jerk response it well it shouldn't be a knee-jerk response mm -hmm. to to a situation and that's why you know you get some families um that have chosen to do it through things like bad experiences at schools and it can be great if you can get that working together element with the school to to fix the problem um, and it doesn't then become a, a knee-jerk response to I'm unhappy here so I'm just going to pull my child out because some sometimes they don't have the full picture of what's expected of you as a, as a parent if you take on the responsibility of your child's education it's it's a lot it's a big responsibility it's a lot of your time it's a lot um, on you educationally it's a lot financially you know it's a big commitment so I mean personally I think there should be a lot more information and support available for families choosing to do it to make sure it's the right decision because ultimately it should be the best decision for the best interest of the child that should be the only consideration mm -hmm. what's best for the child in that situation yeah definitely of course wow I'm, I've learned so much already Lucy <laughs> I love having you on the show <laughs> um I want to pick on something you mentioned earlier you you mentioned an, an IGCSE so yeah. I wondered what is the difference between a GCSE and an IGCSE and can home educated students then take both? Yes. Yep. You'll find a lot of home educated families. Um, they'll have a mix of both GCSEs and IGCSEs. So the difference between them. So GCSE is your general certificates of secondary education. So this is the most common qualification taken by students of like school leaving age in the UK. So this is what the children take in mainstream school. Um, but like I said, for those looking to home educate access to GCSEs and specific 
um, subjects of GCSEs and the practicality of completing them can prove challenging. So a lot of them choose something called an IGCSE, and this is an international general certificate of secondary education. So this is an alternative qualification to your mainstream GCSE, but it's mm -hmm. designed to be taken by international students. And also it's used in some independent schools um, as well as the examination centers. So they're not usually offered as an option in mainstream schools, but they're provided by examination boards such as um, the CIE, so Cambridge Assessment International Education and Pearson Edexcel are quite common in, in offering these. And they are the preferred choice of, of home educated students because they're designed for individuals who are not in attendance at a school setting. Um, and usually they don't have the practical elements. So like the English speaking exams, science practicals, the geography field work, things like that. Um, so they, they kind of, they're, they're designed to be able to provide the skills and everything that is in those practical elements, but they provide them in a different way so that the student still gets those skills, but they don't have to present them in the, in the same way. Um, and they're recognised worldwide as an acceptable qualification by universities and employers. Although I will say um, a little plug for uh, another research project that I did. I did research um, looking at access to higher education for home educated students. And there oh, wow. was a bit of diversity around um, how the standard GCSE of uh, these students applying was accepted but IGCSEs it was there was a bit of a grey area um, and whilst it's kind of very clearly said everywhere that it, they're recognised worldwide as an acceptable qualification actually on the ground um, I did the study for um, for higher education institutions uh, in England and there was a bit of a uh, grey area with some of them not really fully accepting or really having to jump through a lot of hoops when Wow. It should just be accepted straight off. So, yeah, there's a bit of discrepancy with that. But as a general rule and on paper, they are seen as um, as equivalent to GCSEs. And it's just another way. It's, it's more kind of the delivery of it rather than the actual content, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, it does. Wow, interesting. Yeah, I can't, it's crazy, like, all this stuff happens that you don't even know about, <laughs> like, in, in the world of education, you know, just so yeah. you think you know everything. Um, well, this is the thing, because I didn't know any of this stuff until I actively looked into doing it with my daughter. You know, I, I wouldn't, I, I mean, so my daughter's um, finished school this year. I say school she's finished her wow. education her schooling education this year so she did her GCSEs this year so I was doing this research and living it at the same time which was really interesting we were doing it from a slightly different perspective because she um ended up in her final um educational year so in in her technically her year 11 she did it at 14 mm -hmm. to 16 provision at our local college so she did her GCSEs there um, oh, so, that's, that sounds much more stable, right? To be able oh, to. Oh, definitely. It. It's more stable. The financial implications are a lot less. Um, so it's it, it's an option for some families. So I was kind of living the GCSE as a kind of alternative education, but not strictly as the families that I was I'd recruited and were my participants in the study. Um, but I wouldn't have known all of this had I not started looking into it, knowing that my daughter was approaching GCSE age. Mm -hmm. Wow, so interesting. And um, so my, I guess my next question, let's, let me ask, I've still got a few to go. Let me ask one more and then we'll take our news break. Okay. I mean, so it sounds like, you know, the parents then are in control of booking the GCSEs, taking you there. Yep. But 
how much do they actually then have to be involved preparing the children? Because I mean, that's amazing how you've coached your, your daughter through. I'm not sure. I mean, <laughs> I'm not sure if I had to support my son with GCSE maths. Like he's only in year eight, so he's got a couple of years. But yeah. but I feel I feel glad the school is handling that. I mean, yes. do home educating families have to teach themselves or how does that work in that preparation for the exam? It really varies depending on how each family wants to do it. Um, so a lot of families take a kind of mixed approach to some self-study and some kind of outsourcing. And that so that the outsourcing would be getting in a tutor, using online schools, using virtual schools and things like that. So for me, my personal experience, and I'm exactly the same as what you've just said, and, and the fact that you said maths, that was my biggest <laughs> thing as well. And I, you know, I was like, I would struggle with primary school maths, let alone secondary and GCSE. So I knew from the offset that I wouldn't be able to support her adequately for her maths education. So that was the subject that I outsourced out, and she had a maths tutor that tutored her through her, her kind of maths thing. And the same with Spanish, because I've never learned, I, I learned French in school, I never learned Spanish. So things that I knew were completely out of my remit, I outsourced and everything else, it's all done through um, getting your resources online. So when it comes to GCSEs, the exam board that you choose to take the GCSE with, they will have resources on their website for people to be able to use so that they can learn the right content for the exam. So mm -hmm. you can access, I say you can access these resources. This will come back when we talk about challenges because it's not open to everybody. Uh, okay. But there are some resources online that you can take to, to tailor it that way with, with the, the children. But something that I always tell people when I talk about this, and it's something that I feel really passionate about as well, is the whole idea of learning with your child. So it, it shouldn't matter so much if you're not an expert in the subject that your child needs to learn because if you learn it with your child you're not only teaching your child the content but you're teaching them how to find it themselves you're teaching them key skills to how can I research this information that I don't know how do I find a source that's reputable how do I know that what I'm reading is from a place that I can trust so not only are they learning the content of the exam that they need but they're learning life skills going forward of if any point in their life they're like I don't know this information how do I find it out they've learned that they've learned that from you as you've learned together mm -hmm. so a lot of children learn I say a lot that's quite a generalization some children I should say learn better and learn well alongside somebody as a co-learner rather than being mm -hmm. told what to do and especially children that have certain special educational needs kind of telling them and just kind of regurgitating information isn't a way that they can learn whereas if you yeah. co-construct that learning together it's it it goes in a lot better so it it doesn't matter if the parent isn't an expert in a subject if they want to outsource out they can but if they want yeah. to learn alongside that also works really well wow amazing so it feels like the parents should get to sit the GCSE at the end as well <laughs> <laughs> this is very true that would be an interesting study to do actually wouldn't it to see who got the higher mark the child or the parent yeah because I might you know, have to do this <laughs> that, that would be interesting but you know sometimes like when when I do have to like do something with my children like for school you know like a project or something and you really get into it you know I'm sure we all know those parents who really get into yeah. it and slightly take over it and yeah. so you know sometimes like oh I wish I was you know do learning this so I, I wonder whether for some parents yeah they do they start coaching their child and then think hmm, like I never did my yeah, so, maybe. So, let's see 
yeah, yeah I, I, I will say I did I did consider taking sociology myself because when I started looking into it with my daughter I was like this is fascinating <laughs> I might do really? my, so my A level <laughs> I might go and do a degree in it <laughs> I was like, but it's very linked in what I do for my job anyway and I you know I, I probably wouldn't need to do it but it was really you're doing really your PhD don't don't worry. I know no more no more learning right now I have no more brain space <laughs> I feel like you're someone who always has brain space though <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know where I find it from though because there's so much going on uh you love it that way you'd be bored I do. otherwise I do very true <laughs> wow that's so interesting and now, now I see why homeschooling kind of fit your life as well like yes. I think maybe maybe it takes a certain personality as well do you think I'm, I'm not and- sure I could do it that's interesting, actually, because my, my PhD study is actually looking and breaking down the home educator identity and what makes up the identity of a home educator. So that might be something that, that will come out in my study as I go on. So maybe I'll come back and talk about that at a later stage. Yeah, there we go. Part three. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> just like biannually, I'll just pop up on your show and something else. <laughs> I love it. You're just like you're just like a resident guest. <laughs> I'm here, I'm here for it <laughs> do you know what you logged in without ease you're you can come back anytime <laughs> <laughs> with ease not without with ease <laughs> oh yeah with ease with ease um wow amazing I can't believe we're halfway through the show I'm just looking at the time here on, on the studio clock so what we're going to do Lucy feel free to go grab a drink we're going to play our news and for everyone who's just joining welcome welcome you're here on the Friday morning break with me Poppy Gibson and my amazing guest Lucy Wheeler we're going to go to the news and don't go away we'll be back in about six minutes time thank you see you in a minute lucy see you soon teaching is a rewarding profession but it comes with its fair share of challenges that's where adapt come in we're not your typical trade union but instead a modern apolitical alternative offering expert legal employment and mental health support protection without the politics so what makes adapt different we're always apolitical and independent Specialised solely in supporting individual teachers. Our caseworkers are professionally qualified, ensuring you always get the best advice. Plus, there's 24-7 mental health support. Whether it's a simple contract check or handling serious allegations, EDAPT are here for you. Join the thousands of educators who've chosen EDAPT to protect their careers. Subscribe at edapt.org.uk today. EDAPT. Supporting school staff. Protecting careers. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. The BBC covers reports that Labour has dropped plans to end charitable status for private schools. The status exempts some private schools in England and Wales from taxes. The Labour leader, Sakia Starmer, had previously said charitable status for private schools could not be justified. The party said it will still remove other tax breaks if it wins the next general election. There are around 2,500 private schools in England and Wales, and government figures show around half are registered as charities. Having charitable status means the schools cannot operate for profit and are eligible to claim some tax exemptions, including on donations and business rates. Since 2006, private schools have had to demonstrate they are creating public benefit in order to maintain their charitable status. Labour has said it would charge private schools 20% VAT and end business rates relief, 
it says this could raise an estimated £1.7 billion. A party spokesperson said the money would fund desperately needed teachers and mental health counselling in every secondary school. Last year, the Scottish Government scrapped business rate relief for private schools. The Conservatives have questioned whether tax changes would raise the £1.7 billion, as claimed by Labour. The problem of RAC was highlighted again as parents with children at a secondary school in Durham, affected by the potentially unsafe concrete, staged a protest. Parents told Schools Minister Baroness Barron, who was visiting the school, that there had to be more support for the teachers and pupils and that the school must be rebuilt. The school is using a mix of face-to-face -face and online teaching after RAC was found shortly before the return to school from the summer break. The multi-academy trust in charge of the school has asked the DfE if it could use centre-assessed grades for GCSE and A-level pupils, similar to the way assessment was used during the pandemic. A DfE spokesman said it was working to bring back face-to-face -face teaching quickly and that the school would be rebuilt. Procurement, design and planning stages would be started before the end of the year. Schools Week reports on MPs' comments that government should create a school absence code specifically for mental health and review the adequacy of health services struggling with soaring waiting lists. The Parliamentary Education Committee has also urged the government to make its daily attendance data collection mandatory as soon as possible. The committee found growing demand for mental health services and special educational needs support, as well as the cost of living pressures and other issues, have compounded problems with attendance. However, Schools Minister Nick Gibbs said changes would add further complications for schools in coding absence, which could damage the accuracy of data. Full details of the committee's recommendations can be found in the article in Schools Week Online. The Guardian covers news that in America, students at more than 50 high schools across the country are proposing a Green New Deal for schools. They are demanding that their districts teach climate justice, create pathways to green jobs and plan for climate disasters. The campaign is seen as a reaction to right-wing efforts to ban or suppress climate education and activism at school. The national effort would see teach-ins, walkouts and petitions. The New Deal also calls for updated buildings and infrastructure to make schools more climate resilient. Further details can be found on the Guardian website. Finally, the Nuffield Trust has said that student loans in England should be written off for certain health staff once they have completed 10 years of NHS service. It says this is needed to stop a dropout crisis among nurses, midwives and other frontline staff. Ministers have rejected the idea saying support is already in place and that the current student finance system strikes the right balance between the interests of students and taxpayers, as well as highlighting training grants, support for childcare and some expenses. Tuition fees are not charged in Scotland and in Wales, tuition fees are covered if nurses and other frontline staff work for the NHS for two years. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live.
Hi everybody, welcome back, welcome back. And you are here on the Friday morning break with me, Poppy Gibson, and my amazing guest, Lucy Wheeler. Hi Lucy. Hello, I'm back. <laughs> and welcome everyone listening. I can see we've got lots of you listening live right now on Podbean and some of you listening through the website. Welcome, welcome. Happy Friday. Oh my goodness, I'm just so happy that it's Friday. <laughs> oh, like, Has it been a long week? The... Yeah, Lucy, I don't know about you, but like, I keep saying to myself, next week will be calmer, next week will be calmer, but somehow next week <laughs> is just somehow more. <laughs> I said the same thing to my neighbour the other day. She said, how is it? I said, I feel like every time I get to Friday, I'm like, next week's going to be calmer, and it just never is. <laughs> yeah, that's like my mantra that gets you through the week, next yeah. week will be calmer, but <laughs> I'm one of, of these days we'll realise we're lying to ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe that maybe this is something in our personality that is yeah, the problem, because maybe. I wonder, are all our colleagues feeling the same? maybe we maybe we need to stop opting in like <laughs> how do you why do are we both here on the radio <laughs> when, when you learn how to do that tell me <laughs> yeah okay if you learn first tell me okay <laughs> um so welcome everyone really excited to have lucy here lucy's an educational research assistant and a phd student and a mum, and she has her own business and is here to talk to us all things home education in terms of GCSEs because if you're listening you might be able to cast your mind back to when you did GCSEs or similar I think my mum was saying they were called I want to say GCEs when she was at school many many yeah, moons ago there, there was a letter missing wasn't there I can't remember I think it was GCEs it was. um yeah, Lucy, do, do you remember what you took for your GCSEs mostly I think yeah I think I took nine or ten of mine all your standard subjects I did um dance as well and drama wow. um yeah, I can't remember. Yes, <laughs> it was actually a long time ago. I feel like I'm I'm still only 21, but actually it was a long time <laughs> ago that I took my GCSE. <laughs> you know, every time you do that, um, like a CV or a job application, yeah. and then at the bottom you've copied and pasted this thing about GCSEs from like the year 1800s. <laughs> That's what I feel. Like, yeah. I, I can't even remember really like the grades or, or what I studied, but that's what I try and tell our students at uni as well. You know, everything's a stepping stone. Yes. Like, yeah. GCSEs are that stepping stone to the A levels or, you know, the apprenticeship, and that's mm. the stepping stone. So, you know, think, we, we all have different pathways. So, yeah, I think as well, I think there's a lot more choice now for GCSEs for children. Like, when I was in school, I would have loved to do things like psychology and sociology and that just wasn't an option when I was at school so mm -hmm. I, I love and you know you can do astronomy and things like that like I, I'm, what yeah you can you absolutely can do astronomy as GCSE it's amazing <laughs> I what love that you pick year nine I wonder if my son will be picking next year <laughs> I don't think it's available in schools oh oh this is just a test <laughs> only I think, uh, yeah I don't I don't don't quote me on that. I'm not 100% sure, but I don't believe that it's something that, I mean, some schools may offer it. I wonder if independent schools may offer it. I know it's definitely something that I've seen um, a few home wow. educating families take. Um, but yeah, there, there are so much, there, there is, sorry, so much choice of GCSE subject. Um, so whilst it's restricted for home ed students for some of the more mainstream subjects, I guess, there, there is a wide range of more alternative ones, I guess. And How if it fits in your job tra trajectory, then you know fantastic and have a qualification yeah yeah definitely wow so it sounds like there's definitely swings and roundabouts yes. <laughs> for whichever yeah. route um so I know for everyone that's that's just joined I know a few of you've joined us just now um Lucy was telling us earlier that if I'm right Lucy you could either home educate and sign up to take your GCSE at a school who's yep. willing to support it or through a test center but you may have to drive a long way yeah um 
I guess my next question then, because I, I don't think my parents would have paid, and I don't think I would pay for when my son does his GCSEs in a few years, right? He's at a mainstream. Yeah, no, you wouldn't. I wouldn't pay. So I guess my question then, you did say it, it's quite pricey. Mm-hmm. Is there... I guess, is there any support from the local authority for if you're taking those exams or are there, are there any like bursaries or anything? So this very much depends on where you live. Um, it's a bit of a postcode lottery in terms of how supportive a family feels their local authority is. Um, okay. It's a bit of a contested subject. Um, there are some local authorities that may offer um, some funding support. Uh, but this is very, very limited. Um, I think I've heard of one or two families that have been able to access some sort of financial support or bursary or grant or something. And as I believe it, it's literally only like one or two local authorities in the the whole of the country. Like it's, and there are a lot of local authorities. So um, it's not really something that is offered. Generally, there's no funding available to home educating families taking GCSEs from the local authorities. You know, they, they kind of take the stance that if a family's chosen to home educate, they take the full financial burden of all of the costs involved wow um so what are all the costs tell me what's the kind of the list like what you're gonna need well I mean it it's a long list and it varies between what you do as a family so you're going to be paying your costs of your GCSE um the kind of the unit cost you're going to be potentially having an administrative cost on top of that you've got to think of the costs involved in the actual getting the resources the teaching of the subjects if you're outsourcing to any tutors or um, online Mm -hmm. school packages and things like that those are additional costs as well access arrangements are an additional cost on top of that if you're having to travel it's your fuel it's accommodation potentially for doing it time off of work if you're traveling yeah you have to take time for it if you have other children or pets it's childcare and and um kennel cattery or whatever for any Mm. animals like the costs I didn't realize about all of the the kind of extra costs involved on the outside um on top of the actual cost of the physical exam itself um and there are the costs as well like if you if you have a late entry into the GCSE it's a hundred percent of the original entry fee plus the actual entry fee so it's literally double if you have a, a late entry fee um, into the GCSE or if wow. you want to review the marking of your GCSE that's an extra £40 on top to just review the marking of it like the, wow. there are lots of hidden costs uh, on top of the actual exam but let me let me just give you an example talking about costs um, let me just give you an example of some of the costs linked with GCSEs I've got these up to to kind of show you the vast difference uh, yeah, I, was saying, I don't even know I don't even know ballpark figure yeah okay <laughs> so as, as an example um, I'm going to give you um, a contrasting cost between a school and a, an examination center okay because schools um, they don't have to charge an administration fee and some schools choose not to charge an administration fee um, on top of it so they'll just charge you the unit price for the exam so um, going for um, the two main boards, AQA and Pearson Ed Excel, um, as a private candidate. So for the unit, exact, these were taken um, from summer 2023. So these are up-to-date figures as well. So if you were to take a mathematics GCSE um, as a private candidate, so AQA charged £41.20 mm-hmm. and Pearson Ed Excel was £46.80. So that's for a maths GCSE. So if you're going with a school and they're not charging you an admin fee on top, they'll charge you mm-hmm. that unit fee of, four, say, 40-odd pounds for it. 
if you take that at an examination centre, and I've chosen the examination centre that is the most common across the families that I spoke to, and they're quite a large, they're a chain, so they I won't name them, but they're a chain and they, they have lots all over the country. So if you was to take the same mathematics GCSE as a private candidate with them, it's £247. <gasps> the same exam. So their unit fee is still £41. That's wow. their administration fee on top. So it's an extra £200 pretty much. Essentially, yeah. Just for that. Wow, yeah. wow, wow. And that's not taken into consideration if your child needs access arrangements. That will be on top of that cost as well. If you're having to drive four or five hours to get to that examination centre. And that's one That's one exam. That's one GCSE. So if you think of if a family wants to take nine or ten in line with school, that's mm-hmm. one GCSE. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Wait, I'm just, I'm just going to do the math. So if you're doing ten... <gasps> yeah. I mean thousands 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 and that's why a lot of families they choose to spread out their GCSEs over years and you'll find that home educating families they a lot of them start their children taking GCSEs at like 13 14 years old and they'll take a couple the first year another couple the next year maybe four or five the following year and they spread it out so they still get the quantity but yeah. and but also they spread it out because it's less intense on the child you know they're not taking 10 10 exams because it's not even just 10 separate exams because you know maths have what two papers three papers just for the maths and then English will have two or three papers and it's so it's multiple sittings for the exam for one Mm -hmm. subject so it's not just like they're taking 10 exams you know children are taking tens and tens of exams um in like a space of two or three months if they're in a mainstream school and that doesn't work for some families so they like to spread them out over over the years so it spreads the cost and it spreads the stress but yeah when you look at the the breakdown of the prices it's it's crazy how expensive they are what a difference and as well for things like um science for example science has a practical element so for a family to take um, a science GCSE or IGCSE and have the practical element, if you want to add the practical element into it, that's an additional cost as well. And you have to travel to wow. the exam centre to take the practicals or you have to find a school that is registered to be able to to do that and are happy to do that, which, you know, doesn't always happen. Yeah. So that's on top of that fee as well. Wowzers. And then yeah. you, you mentioned, though, what well, I guess one way you get around that bulk of, of money in one go was spreading them out. Is yeah. there an age limit? Because, I mean, you said some take them at 13. Can you yeah. choose when to take them then? Or you can to an extent. Um, I'm not 100% sure on the answer to that one in terms of legally if, the, if they have to be a certain age. I imagine there is an age um, cap to how early they can take them. Um, I'm not 100% sure, but I do know that a lot of the families start them around 13 or 14. Wow. I mean, I suppose you're, you're not going to push them too hard because you don't want them to fail the exam that you've spent no. so much money on. <laughs> no, but do you know what? I actually had um, a, a lady tell me her experience and she said something that I found fascinating. And she said that she started early with her children, but one of her children took um, one the first exam that she took when she was younger, I think she may have been 13 or 14, and they took a kind of more, it wasn't like a key GCSE. It, so it was a bit of a tester. So she took it to see how she coped with the process of doing the GCSE, how she examined, how the whole thing worked. And then mm-hmm. the following year, they were able to tweak and adapt for, for the GCSEs going forward. Oh. So they essentially used kind of a, a lower priority GCSE as a tester. So as well as kind of spreading out the cost and the pressure on the child, it also give you, gave you a chance year on year 
to tweak yeah. how you were doing things so that you performed better I guess very cool a bit like trial and error I guess yeah, yeah. I mean it's an expensive trial and error but yes <laughs> <laughs> it's a high stakes trial and error yeah, um, yeah interesting uh, do you know what because I'm thinking about it now you've reminded me when I was at school we all had to take um religious education or was it called yeah. religious studies we all had to do that a year earlier I mean that oh, was really? a trial and error I hope <laughs> but yeah we all did that one earlier and I'm trying to think how old I would have been but yeah that's interesting I guess how you you've got control of when they're going to sit them yeah so yeah. I mean yeah I guess that that means if you know the more you know your child the more you can prepare them rather exactly. than having and to it, do it at a certain time yeah and it comes back to again looking at the best interest of the child the rights of the child you know that the child's education is in their hands it should be what works best for that individual child and I've always been an advocate for you know the unique child and um following children's interests so that they're engaged so that they learn better so you know this this gives the opportunity to do that but it's not accessible enough for everybody who needs to work in that way to be able to you know these financial implications these accessibility issues of the the actual physical buildings not being enough of them the the lack of regulation the lack of support from some local authorities all Mm -hmm. of these things are putting in these barriers so unless you're wealthy enough unless you have the time you know if you've got four or five children and you're a single parent so you have to work as well to bring in the income you don't have the time to give to those children or you no. you know you have to fumble through with the time so you know if you're a, a two-parent family and you're slightly more socioeconomically well well off and you know and you've got centers near you you know everything has to fall in your lap to for it to be a smooth yeah. ride otherwise a lot of families are battling and fighting and a lot of them losing because they just don't have that as an option Wow. So it sounds like there's so much to think about. Like, yeah. I guess, I guess I've, it's made me feel lucky that like the school does it on my behalf because it does yeah. sound like a lot to to think about. And I will say, you know, I do, I'm a huge advocate for alternative education, but I do also want to make clear that I'm not anti-mainstream school at all. And I, I worry that people think because I, I do a lot of research in this area and I talk a lot and I present a lot about this topic, but mainstream school works for a lot of children and a lot of families. And there is Mm -hmm. definitely a place in the education system for the mainstream school. But my argument is that for the people that it doesn't work for, there needs to be an accessible and equitable other option. Yeah. And and that's why it just, you know, it seems such a shame when you explained to me that if you did choose that option, because it's best for your child, that then there's actually no financial support or, no, or very yeah. little. Yeah. And I mean, because those those costs are crazy. It's off the scale. And, and the time on top, I mean, the t- the time and the cost both, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I mean, when you start support. talking about access arrangements as well, that's... Okay, let, let's move just... on to that. That was actually my last question. So it's, I feel like you've read my mind. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know when we were chatting before you coming on the show and you mentioned about access. So yeah, yeah, so my last question I've got, let me read it out. So I've written down, what about children who may need access arrangements and how does that work as a private candidate? Because I know we're pretty good at doing that in schools, but you, yeah. know, you know, we've got to know the child through their years in school. But yeah, Lucy, tell us, how does how or you know can that work for a private candidate doing their GCSEs yeah I mean it can work if the family are supported well enough for it to work um, and if they financially are able to make it work Um, it can be a real problem for families who have a child or children you know some families have more than one child who they home educate Um, yeah it can be really challenging for them if they need access support for the GCSEs Um, and again this will vary depending on where they choose to take their exams 
Uh, families have to pay for whatever access arrangements they require. So whether it be a private room, a transcription, a laptop, one-to-one support, you know, things like that. And mm-hmm. the costs can really vary. Um, using my own experience as an example here, a couple of years ago when I was looking to put my daughter through two GCSEs when she was 14, and I found a local school, I say local, it was over an hour away, but it was the closest one that was accepting private candidates. So reiterating my point earlier, but it was a local school to me, essentially. Um And I also inquired at examination centres as well, which were two and a half hours away from me. And when I said I needed to discuss access arrangements with them, I was told I needed to send in the diagnosis letter to kind of prove that she was eligible for them, which is fine. I totally understand that. But they wanted to charge me £90 just to receive the letter so they could put in the system and read it and say that she was eligible. £90 for reading a one-sided letter. And then whatever she needed on top of that, that, those would be additional costs that we would discuss on top of that. It's nearly £100 to read an A4 bit of paper and type into the system, yes, this child is eligible. We can now have the conversation about further costs. £90. That's outrageous for, for reading a letter I think and you know that's that's, that's, that's just one, one example you know families are, are having lots and lots of problems with getting the access that they need um and it can easily go into hundreds and hundreds of pounds just to get what that child needs to equally access the same education as everyone else it's almost and I remember actually my my daughter said something to me and this quote stayed in my mind and she just said to me why am I being punished for needing help and I was just wow. like it broke my heart because it's true. Like we're punished financially, but why? Why do we have to pay more? Just because, and and especially because if she was at school, and when she was at school, because she was only deregistered de- at, at fourteen, so she was in mainstream school from the age of four up to fourteen, and so she had a student passport um, at school and access to additional things that she needed and everything, and I didn't have to pay for any of that. And then when I deregistered her, all of a sudden I've got these these additional costs. And, you know, I still pay my taxes and everything. I still pay into mm-hmm. the education system. Mm-hmm. But a lot of families were very angry having the same same sort of experience of it. And some families were saying they just couldn't afford it or couldn't cope with the stress involved in proving and then trying to arrange it. So they just said to me, my children just went without. We, we weren't able to do it. Um, wow. And in terms of practicality of the access arrangements, you know, yes, they can do it as a private candidate, but it does cost and you do need to fight for them. And I remember there was another story of a family that had sorted a, a private room out for their child, only to be told just before the actual exam that it wasn't available anymore. But there wasn't anything <gasps> they could do because it was what? too close to the exam. They weren't able to transfer anywhere, anywhere else. So the child just had to had to go in and, and do it without the access arrangements that they rightly were entitled to so it's it's, a lot of families use the word vulnerable to me Mm. um when they spoke about their GCSE process they felt vulnerable they felt like they they kind of couldn't tip the boat at all they couldn't upset the schools because the schools could just cut and say right we're not taking you anymore families had the experiences of when they kind of had a complaint and they tried to raise it I mean I actually had a school say to me um I don't need to do this for you (gasps) <gasps> when, I, when I was on the phone to them because I complained because they weren't they had they'd put her in for the wrong exam the exam code was wrong so I queried it and it kind of went backwards and forwards and we're doing you a favor we don't have <gasps> to do this for you 
And this is wow. the experience that some families are getting. And, and I'm talking about individual experiences. There are a lot of schools out there that are doing amazing jobs. I had a mm-hmm. family speak about this family was in Wales and spoke about how their local school, the head teacher actually home educated his children. So he took in private candidate it's like yes come only charge the unit fee no admin fee or anything and was really supportive so there are there are pockets of really good practice and support Mm -hmm. and pockets of really disgusting practice and and support so Mm -hmm. it's it's just there is a need for some sort of regulation in this area of GCSEs to enable these families to be treated fairly and access what they should should be accessing Wow, definitely. Yeah. So I guess the best thing is, and I know you people who home educate have have excellent networks and communities, I guess it's just about talking to other people, learning from their experience, isn't it? And and trying to share that best practice. So that's why it's great to have you on today. So (laughs) I'm sure if if anyone wants to get in touch with you, I know Lucy, we've tagged you in all our Twitter posts today. So Um, yeah, hopefully I'm, I know that Lucy, you're so you're so helpful. If anyone's got any kind of queries, like small queries that they could bring them to you, that would be yeah, lovely. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we finish, I've got a little quiz for you, Lucy. Oh, I didn't tell you. No, I haven't studied. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't worry, I'm not going to charge you two hundred and forty-one pounds. Okay, good. <laughs> um, just for fun, just for fun. Okay. I was uh, right. This is going to sound really boring now. Just for fun, <laughs> I was looking on the government website. <laughs> oh, Has anyone ever is said that? Is that what you do for fun? <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. In context, for you coming on the show, I was looking up uh, the most popular GCSE um, uptakes, like what subjects were taken most okay. in 2023. Okay, just for fun. So, oh. just for fun. Um, so, just for fun, I wondered. I'm going to ask you, what do you think was the most popular, like most students were put in for, for GCSE, which subject? Okay. And which do you think was at the bottom with the least number of entries? Does that make sense? Yeah, okay. Well, I'm so guessing... It's in the UK 2023. Okay. Well, I'm guessing the top is going to have to be one of the, the key core subjects because everyone has to take them. So surely it's got to be one of the core subjects. So stop trying to get, like, a hint. Like, <laughs> exactly. All right, I'm going to go with um most subject taken i'm gonna go with uh maths do you want to know the answer or do you want to guess the least taken first why is the least taken maths okay okay i'll tell you the answer this one so maths was a really good guess that was second place oh so close first place was combined science Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I thought it'd be a cool um, one, though. But yeah, the top yeah. three. Yeah, the top three were combined science, then math second place, English language English, third place. Yeah. Okay. So my so my my process of thought was correct. Yeah. I've got the wrong one. <laughs> you're on. The, you're on the right. Don't, you, don't you tell me. Like, <laughs> you had like a one in three chance, really. Yeah. And I got it wrong. <laughs> um, and then okay, what the would you say for the least popular choice? Um, least. I'm going to guess at, oh my goodness, history. Surprisingly, history was in the middle. Okay. Which shocked me. I I would would have loved history. Yeah, I loved history as well. I I would have gone for maybe humanities. It's not, it's not. Do, Do I have a clue? Um... What what subjects didn't you like at secondary school? Oh. What what did you find difficult? And maybe that maths. <laughs> I'd put oh. maths at the bottom. <laughs> um, 
I'll give you a clue. It's it's one of the three sciences taken as a single subject. Oh, right. Okay. Physics. Yeah, it was yeah. physics. It was the least popular. It was the 12th, 12th out of 12. Physics uh, is really, really technical, isn't it? So I can it's imagine so that if technical. you're not technically minded, that would be your least favourite. I'd reckon biology is probably the favourite science. It is. Yeah, well yeah. done. Biology yeah. was the favourite science out of the three. Um, but yeah, really interestingly, it went um, combined science at the top, maths, English language, English literature. Obviously, everyone has to do them. And then, yep. then foreign languages. Really? Which, although we both said that we loved them. Then it was geography, history, religious studies. Then it was art and design subjects. And then we ended on the three sciences at the bottom. I guess most people are doing that combined science. Um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I remember physics just like rolling cars down a ramp. That's pretty much all I <laughs> Is that what you've taken from GCSE physics? <laughs> Gravity. <laughs> Sorry, not any, the next scientist fun. then. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't. Your jobs are not threatened if you're a, <laughs> if you're a physics teacher listening to yeah. this. Like you're safe. Hats <laughs> off to them because I can't get my head around the technicalities. It's too technical for my brain. Same, same. But do you know what, Lucy? That's what makes education amazing, and I think yeah. that's what makes being a teacher amazing. You you find your niche, you find your passion, you yeah. find your subject and that you know that's like what I think we find isn't it working at you know in research and in higher education you you just zoom in on your niche and it's just yeah. the best job in the world isn't it yeah agreed yeah oh and on that note on that very happy happy note it's 12 o'clock <laughs> <laughs> look, look at us just reflecting on the joys of education <laughs> perfect timekeeping as well, well uh, but yeah Lisa just to say a huge thank you also is is your dog there no, I've sh shut her away of where she would have taken over the show. Oh, I was going to say, I remember last time we both had our dogs and we were both worried. But this yeah. time I was going to say, both dogs, well done dogs. Nova's no. asleep next to me. So, uh, then yeah. well done to Nova because I couldn't have mine next to me because she would <laughs> definitely be very vocal. She's in her room, locked away <laughs> with lots of treats and a big licky mat with like yogurt and peanut butter and everything to try and keep her quiet for the hour. <laughs> oh my goodness. How well, we always love dogs on Teacher Talk Radio so please know for the next show when you come on to tell us about your PhD oh okay I'll bring <laughs> her along with me bring her along <laughs> yeah, Lucy it's been an absolute pleasure I won't take any more of your time but yeah just thank you so much I just I just love talking to you because I just learned so much so thank you <laughs> thank you so much for having me on again I really appreciate it really good fun and yeah thanks to everyone that's listening thank you David who's listened all the way through today and everyone else enjoy the weekend let's hope the sun sticks around it's yeah. sunny here right now so Perfect. yeah Go enjoy it, everyone, and uh, speak to you soon. Take care, Lucy. Thanks, Poppy. Take care, everyone. Bye. Speak to you soon. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.